Yo. Buck, how you doing? Sorry about the uh, technical difficulties. It's all good, bro. No Damn. Trip. We ain't got shit for quarantine time going on, so it can take as long as you want. We're doing shit but in the house. Dude. Wait, but are you saying you're still on quarantine time? Because I feel like I've pretty much seen most of the country forget about that all of a sudden. It seems like that's like a distant memory after the past few days. I'm going to keep it real. I've been on, I've been on half and half, you know, I'm, I'm in the house, but when I jump out there, it ain't like I'm in the, in the presence of a lot of people. I do a lot of fishing and shit. I've been going to the lake and shit like that. You dig what I'm saying? Through the quarantine. But right now, when you look outside, you wouldn't even think it was a fucking quarantine, bro. It's traffic, five o'clock traffic, like it's, like it's always been cracking around my way. Yeah, the traffic is starting to get back to normal uh, around here, too. It's, it's kind of a weird thing to experience. It's, it's back, though, yeah. for sure. For sure, for sure. Um, so, wait, you, you go down by the lake, so uh, uh, I feel like you're describing, like, a different version of Young Buck that I might have never thought about, like, a little bit older, a little wiser, going down yeah. by the lake, having some deep thoughts. Is that is that the there kind of stuff go. you appreciate now? Yeah, man, that's what really got my mind together to be able to go forward with my career and shit, man. All the shit I've been going through, I had to do some soul searching and shit and I always fished, I always enjoyed it. I just started doing it so much to the point where I'm about to try to organize a celebrity badge tournament, you know, around here and kind of do some giving back from that perspective. We got a lot of country music stars and shit in, in Nashville, you know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to kind of bring everybody together, a few of my celebrity partners and shit, and get them on the water, you dig? For sure. Wait, so how many, uh, how long you been home from prison? I got out this time in uh, January, February, March, April, January, right at the end of April. So, so you came home to the quarantine? I came home to the quarantine. I was in jail right with the shit, you feel me? And I was moved to the medical floor, basically in a quarantine cell, glass cell, you know what I'm saying? And I guess they done that in the, in, in the perspective of me being, quote, unquote, uh, high security is what they considered me, you know, so I came home from the medical flow, you know what I'm saying? And it, like I say, everybody masked the fuck up in the whole nine. So just to be able to make it up out of that situation and then come home, it was just like, wow, this is really, you know, in jail is one thing. I didn't really kind of experience the part of jail of, around the inmates when this shit happened because I was upset. Like, what the fuck y'all putting me on the medical flow for? Ain't shit wrong with me. But right. it was they would separate me from the shit, you know what I'm saying? Knowing that I was about to get out and do shit like that. Oh, uh, be honest with me, like, what is the level of Young Buck's celebrity when you're locked up? The, like, I, I know I know rappers who are, like, completely insignificant and they go to prison and they're famous as fuck inside the prison. For you, sure. I'm imagining it's it's got to be pretty fucking overwhelming. Man, I don't ever want to do that shit again, be real. I mean, honestly, I've been to prison twice. I went to one of the worst federal penitentiaries in, in, in the fucking United States right now. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, uh, honestly, I go in, I treat individuals like I want to be treated. I give so much respect and go for no disrespect type of individual. So I ain't experienced prison from a particular custody or none of that shit. I walk through y'all like any other person who, who's doing their time. So for me, my experiences has been you know, real, I've never ran into no situations where I had to, you know, fight for my life or no kind of funny shit that they say come along with prison. It's all there. But, you know, for the most part, people indulge and put themselves in situations that they want to be in. You know, mm -hmm. if you're looking for some bullshit, there's some bullshit right there for you. If, if not me, you know, I, my prison experience has kind of been different kind of courses. You know, my first time I went to prison, I, I spend my prison time bitter because I feel like I ain't belong in this shit. You feel me? So that whole bit, I was bitter. You know what I'm saying? And that led me going right fucking back. I got out for a little while, you know what I'm saying? And end up bumping my head and end up right back. So, you know, going this, this, the, the second time, you know, it really kind of started waking me up. Like, you know, I got to do something different and start changing within, but this last time was just out of the blue. I had no idea a lot of the situations was happening because, you know, I kind of went and got incarcerated this time behind child support, but hell, I never been served. 
some shit. A lot of that shit was like shocking to me. Like, how the fuck did this happen? You know, how did y'all people allow this to happen this way? You know, for me to be there for the time that I was there, you know, it got real frustrating. But, you know, like I say, you got two choices when you go to, I guess, any kind of incarceration. And it's just to become either better or better. This time I made my decision to become better. So I started educating myself behind that in a real way, trying to figure out my situation with G-Unit, how the fuck to get the fuck out of this because 50 is sending cease and desistance to YouTube and Apple Music and I took all these different places trying to silence me. And I've tried to resolve the situation for so long with them and didn't get nowhere. Yeah, honestly, that forced me to figure out, okay, what can I do at this point? I'm locked up. When I get out, you know, I owe this money here and there, so I need to figure out a way to get back to work because he's not going to allow me to work. And shit, I came over bankrupt. <laughs> not because I'm broke, but, you know, I figured, you know, if I owe you something, partner, show me what I owe you and I'm going to pay you. Right, and but so you, uh, like, this idea of uh, going bankrupt to sort of avoid... What was that? I just gave him a little dose of his own medicine. Oh, okay. Um, but so the bankruptcy thing, though, like I was looking through some old blog posts and I seen like back in, I think, 2015, that this idea, you had sort of thrown this idea out there that you were thinking about filing bankruptcy to get out of the, the contractual obligations. Is this like, did you just finally decide to go through with it or did you handle it a different way legally this time around? Well, the first time, honestly, bro, I was almost really forced to go that route. You know, financially, I was fucked all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Really didn't have no outlets because contractually, I was tied up into to, to G-Unit. And he was using it the same way, kind of like now. But for me, you know, it wasn't about trying to get out the contract at the time. It was just about trying to, you know, save and establish what I had got because the, the IRS and shit was taking everything. That's how it kind of started. But it all accumulated from a tax debt that, that accumulated over the years because honestly, you know, I put my career in other people's hands at that time. My business management was 50's business management. So when right. we had a father now, he just told the business management to stop working. And I never filed my own fucking taxes even then. You know, I was coming straight off the streets and taking more advantage of an opportunity than business. So I really did not know a lot of the business and shit. So, you know, I found myself bumping my head the first time. And, uh, you know, it led to me filing bankruptcy at that time just to kind of get myself in a place of trying to, you know, reorchestrate my shit and everything. But shit, I ended up filing bankruptcy and going to prison. So I pretty much lost everything. And on top of that, I was sitting in a prison cell. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So coming out of that whole situation, I never even filed. I vowed myself to never file bankruptcy again in my life as long as I never have to. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it just led up to this situation where I realized that I had exhausted all areas of trying to handle the business outside of going down the bankruptcy route because, you know, it was a point in time I had my attorneys and his attorneys uh, conversating, trying to figure out, you know, what is it? You know, what do you claim that I owe you? you you're saying I owe you 350000 Well, show me a receipt. I'll pay you. It got, so, it got to a point, honestly, where <laughs> I even decided to just pay him knowing that I didn't owe him this money, but I wanted to get back to work. I felt like 300000 shit, I'll make that in no time. So, he even turned it down. He came back and was like, well, when he seen I had, I guess, the money to pay him, he was like, well, now I want 350 plus you to sign over your whole entire catalog of all the work that you done done for yourself. So shit like that put me in a place of realizing that, you know, either he's trying to take this to a court situation and drag it out. It was all smoke and mirrors about the money that I was owed, honestly. If 50 could ever show you a receipt, right? For every receipt, the 50 could show you where I would owe him a thousand dollars. I could show you a receipt where he owed me a hundred thousand. And he know these, he know this shit. So it's one of these things where he builded these smoking mirrors, and it's kind of like I spent time trying to fight public opinion, bro. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like a lot of this shit that was pushed out there and pushed out there from him and others. Like I say, I gave it legs. 
You dig what I'm saying by just responding to a lot of the bullshit. So I'm in a hunt for success and getting back to where I got to get to. My music speaks for itself. I dropped the EP, Outbreak. It touched number five. I think it's been out five or six days. I touched number five on the iTunes charts and and still rolling. So I've always been one of them ones who let the music do the talking, you know? Definitely. I mean, it's it's crazy for me to witness all this bullshit because, you know, I was like the biggest G-Unit stand ever, like age 19 or so, you know? So I feel like a lot of the things that I learned about the rap industry and stuff from just watching came from yeah. watching, like, like watching G-Unit was the first time that I saw a lot of these situations unfold. Whereas like, you know, the situation that you're in with, with 50 is like, you know, the, the Meg The Stallion thing was a big viral thing a couple of months ago. And, you know, people are starting to seemingly like develop more empathy for artists that are basically stuck in unfair contracts and shit like that. But I mean, this seems like a particularly uh, notable case just because, you know, 20 years later, it just seems like kind of astounding that that anybody would would be allowing him to continue this this whole thing and for me as a fan it's it's kind of painful to observe because like seeing you sort of cut cut off from being able to put out music it it kind of you know it hurts you being able to like continue your legacy and put yourself out there in the situations that you need to be to still be able to show you know like there's a lot of artists from that time period. If you somebody yeah. like Ti, who's still continuing to like, you know, he might not right. be like the number one rapper, but he he's, he finds a lot of ways to insert himself into the culture and make himself relevant. Right. And it's 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 almost like painful for me as a fan to see your your legs sort of cut off in that regard. Hey man, and I appreciate you being as honest like that because I hear that from a lot of fans. You know what I mean? Real true fans of the legacy of G Unit and Nate. You know, a lot of people, they don't, they, you know, they might want to get a laugh for the bullshit. Even I laugh at the bullshit. But overall, it's about the music. People want to hear what they grow to love you for. And that's one thing I've always focused on is 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 uh, just making sure that I'm able to deliver every time. You know, I've always been a good, a good Indian in a sense. So I'm in a position now where, you know, I brought myself to the chief position. You get what I'm saying? And uh, I'm one of them ones who play such a part other than just the music and just within the growth of the company in itself. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's just me and the business moves or certain things that come along with me or even me down the right music forfeit. You understand? Because I broke records 450 where he's actually rapped. You know, my my records word for word and never even been compensated for it because at the same time I wasn't, like I say, so focused on the opportunity. I come from Nashville, Cashville. And you know, at the time of me getting the opportunity sent my way, it was more like, you feel me, man, take this advantage of this opportunity and deal with everything else on the way. So like I said, if it was anything I could do over again, I would put the same amount of energy that I put off into the opportunity into the business. And that's what I like to tell folks, you know what I'm saying? Overall, you know, the realest statements that you can make in, in a sense in dealing with this music industry is that, yeah, it's it's not 90% and 10% talent, it's 99% and 1% talent when it mm. comes to business. Because a lot of these dudes ain't got talent at all, but you can't take away from the hustle they got. So mm. how can you knock them if you're in this game to make money is the ultimate goal. You know, for me, I love music. I love the culture, the art. I love creating it. Even now, talking to you, I'm sitting right here in my crib, but I got, I'm in a four studio. I'm, I'm a studio rat. I love the music. So it's one of those things where even if it wasn't financial paying me, I would still find a way to make my money, but I would always make music. And some people come in this shit, man, honestly, bro, and they just love it for whatever, you know, outside of just the love of the music. They may love it for the money, the bitches, the cars, the houses, the life in itself. So it speaks, and I think my longevity, my talent is what's got me on this interview with you. You're one of the biggest in the game right now. You get what I'm saying? And the life is not, I ain't, I ain't a part of nobody ass kissing club. I'm telling you the God truth, like, Motherfuckers locked into your shit. But staying relevant has got me still right here with you. And uh, now I'm able to drop music, bro. It's like, I feel like I'm on my mission to take over the fucking world. And, you know, for a long time, 
and going through it, like you just said, for so long, I used to figure out, damn, this was an individual. I looked at my brother, like, why you don't want me to feed my kids? Homie, like, okay, if we have our differences or whatever they may be, in my eyes, homie, I ain't never fucked your bitch, took nothing from you, shot you, did that. So why so harsh of a way in trying to stop me from progressing in life? So I think a lot of these things are just keeping it 100 with myself and with the people. It's coming around for people to see for themselves. And uh, people always got to remember, like I've always had to remember that, you know, you get what you give out. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes a lot of people get a lot, get away with a lot of bullshit, but it don't mean calm ain't sitting back sharpening her knife. Like, okay, but, but you feel me? So it is what it is, G. Right. But there's like a certain uh, thing that 50 does too that's like kind of goes beyond uh, just, you know, hanging this contract over your head or not wanting to let you out of the contract where it's like this sort of like information warfare where he just will seize upon like a rumor or, or something negative about somebody and he'll just hammer away at it. And he still, you know, has a loud voice in the culture. So it's like a lot of times you'll see like the blogs just right. latching onto it and they'll repost everything he says to the point where it's like almost like it doesn't matter if there's truth to what he's saying or whatever. It's just like, he'll just hammer it over and over and over. Right, man. And that's, that, that speaks a lot about really what you see in, in, in the situation of me and him and him going, you know, so hard with the whole gay shit and the gay rumors and all of the bullshit. You know, I laugh at a lot of that shit just to be honest with you, G. You know, I'm very secure on who I am and where I stand at. So for me, it's always been like, it is what it is. But, you know, overall, just to be honest with you, our situation of our, my separation from G-Unit, it never was about no rumors or none of the bullshit that he's pushed out there to the people. It's been about business because he was... He was alerted by somebody as small as sound exchange, letting him know going forward, I was going to be receiving my own 33 and a third percent. And that's just from one thing where he had been basically taking, or well, I'm not even going to put it on him. I'm going to just say G-Unit Incorporated because that's where the money and the, the chips was getting caged. But since sound exchange even existed, you feel what I'm saying? So it's just things like that. And that was one thing, but it was business. And he encouraged me, what shocked me the most out of the shit was he was the one encouraging me to get my business in place. You know, you need a management. I'm not going to be able to do these different things. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I go do these things, you know, not just me, but the others of the group, Banks, Yale. He's telling everybody. I was one of those poster child to, to, to the crew. You know, 50 would be like, you know, Banks and yeah, yo, y'all niggas need to be doing what Buck doing because I've always been active with dropping music and releasing mixtapes and shit like that, and not sitting around waiting on 50 to do a damn thing for me. You know, it's just been about my own passion, my own love and hustle for the game. I've always hustled hard. I've always believed in, uh, you know, using my own funds and shit like that. So, yeah, I mean. You know, there's a certain like hypocrisy or, or just like an irony when I've seen things where he said like, you know, you never seen Banks, Buck and, and Yayo like sell out a show without me. But at the same time, it feels like he never really would have allowed any one of you guys to get your career to the point where like it felt like as soon as you started to shine that bright. It, he was, right. it, it just wasn't going to happen. Like, he wasn't going to be able to sort of handle that. And, I mean, there that was the thing about G-Unit and his prime is that, you know, you game banks all legitimate stars in your own right. And right. he couldn't really, like, keep any of it under control. Well, really, man, it wasn't even honestly, bro, about keeping under control. It was just about being fair enough where – we have a brother, a brotherly bond. Mm. So if one was doing something that the other one wasn't doing, it didn't, it wasn't hate for each other or none of that. The problem was, is that all of the opportunities were directed and he would use for self or give them to other, other people. You know, the, name one fucking episode you've seen me come out on power, but I was there in the making. 
of the shit in every kind of way. Name, you know, any out of all these films, you know, I was the one, yo, 50, won't you throw me in the movie? Yo, I got some plan for you, you know what I'm saying? And shit like that. And okay, I'm rocking the plan and riding the plan. But then at the same time, you'll get on a radio station and talk about how motherfuckers is not doing what they need to be doing to get their own selves together. But you're the boss. So what I'm saying is that, you know, 50, I think, I'm just being honest, it seems like wouldn't allow nobody to become just as big as him or bigger than him, bro. Honestly, bro. And you know, I have a lot of people that may say, well, damn, fuck, I hear this shit every day, bro. Honestly, I ain't gonna sit here and cap with you like, you the best in G unit or banks or even Yayo or whatever the case. But nobody never looked like looked at it like that amongst the crew, at least individually. We all looked and moved at a point of time with G unit to make it become what it became as one. And I just, you know, look at the situation like, you know, if I had anything to say to him was, homie, you didn't create that brand by yourself. You didn't put in a, in a lot of the work by yourself. Shout out to Monster, one of the closest individuals he ever had from, which is Crippy's brother, one of the individuals that 6 9 ended up getting down on, which is one of my cousins at the same time. So, you know, shit is wild, bro. But at the same time, outbreak is out. EP, some so EP, and my shit killing the streets. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so at this point, though, like, who do you actually value your relationships with in the rap game? Like, who? I know you said, uh, who was it? Two Chains, and I forget the other yeah. one. It was well, so I, honestly, man, it's hard for me to say, man, because I value my relationships with a lot of these different individuals that I've spoken on, but I don't think they value me the same way. Mm. So I choose not to give them that. I value Scarface relationship. That's who I value because he's always been there for me through thick and thin, no matter what. And it just plays and he shows it. You know, I value DJ Paul's relationship. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? 3-6 Mafia. He's always been a big brother to me and things like that. Uh, I value my, my relationship with Boosie. You know what I'm saying? Boosie's always been a solid individual in my career. You know what I'm saying? But overall, you know, I've had a lot of these individuals and shit that I consider friends, but I don't think they've done the same. Because once I started going through things, I've watched these dudes kind of fall away from me, but then get on the laughing train to fit. These have been some of the niggas that I've been like, bro, do you know this man? Ain't really giving too far. I don't know who he gives a fuck about, but I just know at the time, the way shit used to be. So for me, you know, I fuck with who fuck with me. You know what I'm saying? I shouldn't have to uh, be the only one display my lordiness in a friendship. That goes in any kind of way. It should go two ways. So, like I say, man, to each his own and everybody salute them all. But if a motherfucker fuck with me, they going to show. Because I've shown it for so long. Sometimes I sit back at this point like I ain't even seeing pretty much none of these niggas' names. You know what I'm saying? Giving these niggas none. If anything, you know, these niggas need to be happy that I ain't gave these niggas no bars in a real way. And at the end of the day, most of these dudes, especially from the South, you know, the industry and rap is one thing, but they know why, how I move, rock, stand. I've been one of them dudes where my, my story is more told in the streets than it is throughout the industry side of things. So I'm still like an open book. You know, my career is through our G unit, but I was moving in this game way before I ever met a fucking 50 cent. You know, I was at a point of time in my life where, you know, I was riding around with baby and he was dropping Wayne and Turk off in school. And I was supposed to be in school at the same age time myself, but I was doing a lot and had a lot more going on. So I was truly raised from these streets and some individuals out of this shit is just like myself really from me and they give that off through the music and people gravitate to it i done learned like it take a little time but these in my kind are the ones that people choose to love the most you know the ones the artists that we follow at least i do and consider legend are the ones that open up and give you their real life because when they hurt you feel like you hurt or when they win you feel like you win that's what we love about pop, 
or Love About Jay or Eminem or any of these majors, you know, they've opened up real life and reality of what life really is with them at times, whether it was, you know, Pocking talking about the things that he's going through politically or M with his mother, you know, Jay and everything else. So that's, that's the trend that I've kind of raised and followed. So I have nothing to hide. What you see is what you get. And I just think my time is coming around now to be understood as young buck because of, truthfully, man, my story is just as real as, say, quote, unquote, a 50 cent, or if not really. And I think that's what we kind of bumped heads is because from a street perspective and a real life perspective, you know, some of the things of my life may naturally be what a motherfucker trying to make it be in their life. But my shit really this way. I've never flipped it and been that way with him. It's never been nothing a part of his life that I've tried to be. But can people say that the same about me? You understand what I'm saying? So, like I say, I don't want to spend this time just kind of bashing no fucking 50 or none of that shit because it's like, there's some positive things that come along or came along with the era G-Unit when I was involved over there. So, and I appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity that was given to me from him because technically, shit, bro, before I got that opportunity, I had been maneuvering through these streets in the game so much. And only shit, it just cost me $10. I mean, $300 to press up a thousand CD. I said, the motherfuckers, $10 a piece. You do the math. I slowed down from hustling in the streets before I even, because my see my own music was selling more than my fucking pack at a point in time. So. I come from the grind of independent hustling. Mm. It ain't a pole in Cashville that I ain't probably hung my own post up and down. So I was established as a person independently hustling out of the game before I got the opportunity of 50. I already had a lot of education from the independent side of hustling, but it was a new level. Well, like I said. Well, let me ask you something. So, so number one, wasn't there a story in Double XL back in the day about you getting on the tour bus with Yayo when you first met him and showing him a hundred pack of crack? In real life. In real life. In what? real life. Damn, bro, you be really keeping up with shit on some real honest shit. Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I was with Juvenile when I first met. Right. Uh, 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 50 and the whole G unit. See, rest in peace to CeeLo. That was our bus driver. CeeLo. Uh, passed away, which went on to become a part of uh, Cash Money and with, with Baby now. And um, he had a relationship with Shot Money, and I was just on the on the road with 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 uh with Juvenile, just moving around up through New York, and that's when the era G Unit and they had first dropped the mixtape and shit was wild and live and shit. And he heard us playing the tape and was like, "Yo, I know dude who managed them." Hit them up. Long story short, they end up coming by the bus. We had a studio on the bus at the time. And when they first came in, you know what I'm saying? Like I say, uh, I knew who they was just from the music period, but I respected from what I seen from the very moment because the shit seemed that it was real life, you know? These niggas pull up with vests and shit on, you know what I'm saying? And he was moving real militant at that time, you know what I mean? And, when Yayo came on the on the bus and shit, he was like, yo, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm Yayo with shit like this, bro. And all that good shit, man. I'm like, hell yeah. He like, nigga, I'm still in the streets just like you, Blase. I got a pack on me now. That's where that come from. You feel what I'm saying? So, you know, uh, honestly, bro. Do you think you really were keeping fun. it a little too real for him there? Like, was was he a little taken aback because he didn't, he didn't know that you were going to do that? Nah, he was the one that done it. Oh, Not he busted me. that out. Okay. He okay. busted out with it. You know, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. It was one of the best things that he could have did. I'm, and, and I'm going to say this. Why? Because when he done that, it put me in a perspective to make me feel he was just like me. Mm. I feel like he was really a part of the streets and he was somebody. He reminded me of one of my homeboys. So I became comfortable enough to say, you know what? Let me play these records for him. And one of the records that I ended up playing for him ended up being Bloodhound on 50s Get Rich or Die Trying. Mm. 
mm. which my whole entire record. 50 bought that record for me. I've never sold a song in my life. He gave me a check for the record, kept one of my verses, took two of my verses off, put two verses on, and became a record on Get Rich or Die Trying. So that kind of opened up the door to my whole G unit shit. Mm. That was, I mean, that song in and of itself, it's like if you didn't know about Young Buck, I mean, you had a very like Pitbull type thing going on in that song. Like you were I really like the meanest motherfucker on that song. <laughs> hey, listen, homie, at the end of the day, that era was, I kind of do music based off what the era really is. Mm. So this was some of the fucking meanest times of my life outside of whatever was going on with G-Unit. On my end of life, I had a whole nother kind of war going on as well with them for us. You know, it was a lot going on with the whole Murder, Inc. and G-Unit shit at the time. But from a street perspective, I was creating music, like, at that time, from actually dealing with shit locally and local wars and local shit that was kind of keeping the fuel going in, in, in that in that pen and shit too. So like I say, I've always based my music off the reality of, of time, of where I really stand at. I've never been a one to kind of create a song and come back three months later and rap it. I walk in the studio not even knowing what the fuck I'm gonna do. Mm. You know, I'm at a point now where I don't even take a pen or paper so much to talk about. It's one of these things where just turn the fucking beat on, G, you know? Definitely. Um, but so how do you get in the mind state to record at this point? Because, I mean, you, you clearly are in an older, more well-adjusted position in comparison to, you know, a lot of the, the best rap music is made by very, like, angry young men. How do you sort of find that energy? I mean, honestly, man, when you see shit going on like George Floyd, rest in peace, <laughs> it ain't hard to find motivation. The only place I couldn't find motivation to make music was where you think a person would make it at, and that was in prison. Mm. I could not find the motivation to write a fucking rap while I've been in jail. I started trying to write a book, and I wrote half of a book. It's, it's called Life Behind the Walls kind of my experience in prison as a fucking full-fledged celebrity. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, I did it backwards. I've done a lot as far as growing up and being a part of the, the, my environment, a product of my environment. I've done a lot, but was blessed not to go to prison. I became a millionaire with the prison. When I didn't have shit and was doing all this shit to go to prison, I was blessed not to go. But when I wasn't doing a goddamn thing, I found myself in prison. So I started to find motivation. I, I felt like I was motivated to be able to tell the story of what I could see and what was going on versus then trying to put it in rhyme format and do it that way. So my motivation comes from the things that I'm going through or been through or just the surroundings of me. It's so real and just life in itself is so real of what we live in and going through that I try to touch bases and stick to that lane because I like for the fan to either say or find something from me that I'm saying where they can either say, uh, I know somebody going through that or either I'm going through that my goddamn self. Or I don't never want to go through no shit like that. Mm. So, you know, in some kind of way, no matter even if I'm talking about busting a motherfucker head on the record, there's still some type of teaching to it and reality to it. You know, as harsh as this shit may sound, it's sometimes from a motherfucker like myself, it's still the reality of the, of the environment either I'm coming from or living in. And honestly, to keep creating the music that I create, I've always felt like I've had to keep one foot in and one foot out, bro. Mm. And, 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 and honestly, it's been a gift and a curse in my career, keeping one foot in and one foot out. The gift of it, well, the curse of it is having one foot over here makes me vulnerable for all the bullshit to come along with the streets. I still feel that shit mm. because I'm all the way over here in this industry and this celebrity life of this here because all my people still over here. So it's like, I could never feel like I'm a full-fledged star or how these dudes rock around because shit, everything that raised me or everything that I love is still in the fucking bottom of the barrel and I ain't in a position to pull them out yet. 
<laughs> so I had to kind of keep one foot in or help pull him out. You get what I'm saying? So that was the one foot in. That was the that was the the the, the curse in a sense, is having to feel and deal with all of those pressures of the streets. Well, I had the one foot in the streets and one foot out. But the gift of it was that I found my life and going through all these trials and tribulations that forced me to have to fucking go back to the fucking streets, bro. In mm. fact, to me having just that one fucking foot over there in the streets, when I was forced to go back, they was right there with open arms waiting on me. So it's just me in the streets right now doing what we got to do, you know? But that's the, the weird shit is that, you know, I'll be honest with you, I never really had any doubts that there might have been times in Young Buck's life where there was that... <laughs> That conflict of, you know, you're famous, you're in the industry, but you also, you know, at the end of the day, you got to make something shake. But the question is, is just like, you know, why, why, we've never heard about Young Bug getting caught up over some serious shit. It's always some silly shit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, honestly, I think um, that's just nobody to give the praise to other than God, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I give, you know what? I feel way more comfortable. I guess my glow is different. My flow is different and everything. It's just because I got two feet now into this shit. It's no other foot over there no more. Mm. It's either this is it. This is it for me. This is There's no plan B. So for a lot of these artists and a lot of the reactions and shit that they used to get out of me, it dealt with me having that foot over there. You know what I mean? Like, y'all yeah, know better. They taking that reaction and giving it to the people for whatever they can but now i understand that you know i'm i'm blessed to be able to i look i feel better being uh I, I can't say a role model but a model from the streets they really been there and done that and now i feel like it's so much that i have to go and gain from this music business and just overall because my plan from the beginning of this shit was to take music and use it as a stepping stone to get off and everything else you know i'm dope in the movies 50 notice shit you know i've sit around and of course you have no idea of how many things that i've kind of played a part in but like i say i look at life and look at my career now as almost like this is the beginning Technically, shit, every project I've ever dropped is when uh, platinum. You know, I've only dropped two albums in my career for a solo project. Mm -hmm. Straight out of Cashville was two million eight, I think now, and Buck the World is like one point something or something. I, I'm not really for sure what what it is, but I know at the same time I've released two solo platinum projects mm -hmm. as uh, an international artist or what or whatnot, but. You know, staying relevant, I've released numerous projects. I did a whole 10 key mixtape series with 10 projects in 10 months. And that catalog happens to generate more than the fucking G unit catalog, you know, at this given time right now. Wow, really? Those are the things that I was getting cease and desist on that's now about to go back up and, uh, you know, give the people what they've been wanting this shit, you know? That's fire. Um, yeah, you mentioned George Floyd. I wanted to get your thoughts on the sort of uh, tension, the explosion in tension, really, that has uh, happened in this country over the past couple of days. Man, honestly, I think, you know, it's about time. You know, of course, I don't want to be an advocate of burning down the fucking community and some of these people who work hard for their businesses and things like that. I'm not going to act like... Uh, I'm gonna encourage to do that, but it is nice seeing, you know, us finally realizing that how long do we have to march or how long do we, you know, have to, look, there's no limitation on turning the cheek. I think Martin Luther King never said, after you turn your cheek a hundred times, now they're gonna listen or, you know, I think we've, demonstrated that for so long as a whole, as a people, when it comes to dealing with law enforcement and the deaths and the way that things has been going, uh, we demonstrated so many ways of showing unity that it's been taken for a joke. 
because now, you know, it's not like it's getting any better. It's only getting worse. So when you see these young folks now and Minneapolis and the way they reacted, it's because people is fed up, bro. Mm. It's like enough is enough. Like, what do we have to do? You know, and me personally, you know, I'm a strong believer in the I-49. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, how can I sit here and, and allow you to take my life knowing that uh, it's a possibility or you're trying to take my life without me at least fighting for it? Uh, if it was anything that I would ask to change of my people or people in general, bro, because yeah, they're killing a lot of the blacks, but overall it's police killing people in general, bro. And I would say, you know, we able to see these things because most of the times it's videotaped from some type of angle or some type of way, whether it's far away or somebody up on the situation mm. for those that, for those that's close enough to make a difference, then, then I would honestly say, spend your time trying to stop a situation physically. When you see it became physical, you got a better shot of helping this person. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Then sit through with a camera trying to get the footage and be able to go viral from the shit. Mm. You know, some people may be in positions where Physically, they not might not be old or whatever the case. And that's a little bit. But if you're physically able to give assistance to someone who's losing their life, is telling you, hey, I'm dying or whatever, and you feel like this person is to the point where you're saying, stop, you're, you're killing them or whatever, then I think that's a college for you to become just as physical as it takes to show, show up for that person. Even if it results to even you having to deal with it, technically no one knows what's on the other side of life. And I say that death, that's the ultimate that can happen. They could kill you. But I would think that, I would think that, you know, that would be a a decision that each individual has to choose and live up to because some people be in fear of death so much or fear of jail so much that they'll watch some of the most horrific crimes happening before their lives and their eyes and shit and deal with these things the rest of their lives all because they couldn't face the fear or didn't make certain decisions. Me personally, I fear God because I ain't met him yet. And I just feel like in, in, in those positions, if you're able to help somebody, do what the fuck you can, bro. Yeah, I mean, and the scary thing about it is that we would hope that leadership would be learning from the reaction that they're getting from this. But I mean, you're seeing with Trump's tweets uh, last night that it's like, if, if anything, it doesn't seem like our, our government is likely to become less callous from this. Hey man, listen, man, if you're even paying close attention, I mean, over the weeks, we've all been dealing with the whole COVID-19 thing. So technically the news is kind of, overshadowed with the whole COVID-19. Mm-hmm. But we got four cities on fire right now. And if you notice CNN is kind of not even giving those, you know, in the, some of these different networks, let me say, it's not giving the coverage even, I feel like, of what's really going on in the streets. You know, we're seeing bits and pieces of what they choose to let us see. But it's a lot going on, I'm sure, in, this, in, in Minneapolis. Uh, I think that you know, uh, it's a 50-50 chance that we even get a fair, a fair, a fair shot out of this. Yeah. You know, honestly, and I think if uh, if we don't get the right verdict, then not only will they feel or are they feeling the pain in Minneapolis, but if we don't get the right verdict as a people, I think they're gonna feel this pain all over the world in a real way. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy situation because on one hand, I mean, it would be nice for a bunch of local businesses, never mind the Target or the AutoZone, to not get burned down. But at a certain point, it's like, what is going to make the rest of the world listen? What is going to make every American have to stop and stare at social media to actually acknowledge what's happening? I mean, as much as I would like to see people not getting their fucking pawn shop burned down, this is making enough noise that yeah. in some ways it's like there has to be sacrifices in order to make as much noise as this deserves. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that, uh, you know, closed mouth don't get fed, bro. And we've kept our mouths closed so long thinking that we would get fed. Now we like, fuck that shit. We tired. We, we, enough is enough. And uh, maybe we can get a positive reaction from a negative reaction. But that's a 50-50 thing. Most of the time you get positive reactions from positive and positive. But, you know, they getting a negative reaction. Uh, but nothing was positive out of this situation, period. So mm. it's a negative reaction and you're getting a negative reaction in return. They start giving us positive action and positive situations in this situation, then I think they'll start seeing positivity push. But as long as they keep, keep constantly giving us negative reactions, that's what they don't get. And that even goes for uh, uh, Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump, he's something else with himself. It's like... Uh, you know, he gives these negative reactions throughout these tweets and things like that. And uh, I, I think looks for a positive outlook from the people. And it's like, the fuck do you think? You know what I'm saying? Dude, what are you what are you looking for out of these, you know, people to gather up and rally up behind you talking about uh, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, you get what I'm saying? Like, Right. No, that shit like that is what's making the looting start and the shooting start. You get what I'm saying? Is by having a, a person who you would think shows some type of sympathy or some some type of leadership in these situations. To me, he's just only pouring gas every fucking way. G. What What are your thoughts on uh, music getting more political? Your own music getting more political? Like, do, do you feel like you need to tackle these subjects? I think there's always sort of been this conversation of like, the, the record labels and the industry would rather push, you know, gangster rap because it's easier to sell gangster rap to like young white kids versus like, you know, you know NWA was always going to be bigger than Public Enemy because it's always easier to make people care about some hard shit than some politically charged shit. But do you feel like you're going to see a bit of a change in that? And do you feel like you you see that change in your own music? Yeah, I do. I, I've always kept a political push to everything that I've done. You know what I'm saying? Because like I say, it's always been something either playing out in the media that I feel like needs to be touched bases on or just around my life. It's always been something from that level. I think um, the industry in itself with a new generation of artists right now, I think they're going to start giving more attention to the political side of things. Some of the artists in the younger generation that we've been getting a lot of party records and shit from, a lot of hits like that, I think they're going to start, you know, paying more attention to the reality side of things in life and start bringing those pictures to the screen and to the music. So, you know, I just feel like, you know, music has so many different sets of wheels to it. But it all kind of resorts to turning around on the on it all comes around full circle to the same thing. It's almost like you're seeing just the same thing I'm seeing it, but seeing it different almost like. So I just think that the political side of things is really gonna start taking more of approach with the newer generation. We have a lot of artists from quote unquote my era and beyond before that it was more accepting to it, I think, overall, because it was more on the screen. You know, we had more artists that were, uh, a lot more lyric, lyrical artists that were actually moving throughout, uh, throughout the industry at the time. And uh, I think overall, the people, it was more of a message behind the music. And people gravitated to a lot of the storytelling and things like that. So I think a lot of that's just kind of going to repeat itself and come back around. Because if you notice, you know, it went from that in the era G-Unit into where we get now, where there's a lot of, you know, a lot of different dancing and a lot of different flavors of music that's out there. But I think the political side and the reality music is kind of catching the most downsided, you know, side of, of the industry. But we in a time where people don't want to really constantly hear about how well you're doing because you can have a million dollars in cash and all the houses and everything. But the truth is, you ain't been in the house like everybody else. You know, so, but, yeah. 
your I'm money just only it, do, it doesn't really matter. It's like people want to hear things to uplift them or relate to, I think, more. Not to say they don't want to hear that shit. I want to hear that same shit too. Most some of that shit myself, but I think you know, people's we just in that transition of time where bring this shit back to reality of where we really stand at because we dealing with a fucking president for mm. one that's making us have to stay in tune with so much of where the world is at today because if you slip up today we could be dead tomorrow fucking with him you get what i'm saying so it's just a lot no that's real for sure um how do you feel overall about like the changes that you've seen in hip hop throughout your time in the industry and stuff? Like when you, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, G Unit kind of represented like the peak of hard ass rap. And nowadays, rap looks a lot different. You got you know a lot more women are being successful. You got a lot more you know white kids, Spanish kids, all kinds of different lifestyles, younger people, people who aren't even trying to pretend to be hard. Uh, how do you feel about the way that the game looks now? I mean, you got to adjust to this shit, honestly. Uh, when you've been in the game, as long as I've been in the game, it's an adjustment time for an artist of my of my stature. And when I say adjust, meaning that uh, it's kind of hard to separate what's real and what's not, whether it's from a jury perspective or individual or anything right now. Uh, I guess... I will rely myself on um, when it comes to listening to these artists. Well, let me bring back, let me backtrack a little bit. Uh, I come from the era where the music had to match. Mm. If you see these things in the record, it had to match. If you said you had these things, it had to match. We had to see this shit. You done this shit. We had to know you did this shit. Now those things are away. I think it's about more of a talent, which is great. But it's more or less about who has the who can rap the best or who has the best outfit or the dopest things. All of these things are pieces of the culture, though. And some artists are able to kind of bring pieces of the culture. These are what I call them culture keepers, because what they do is keep the culture revolving. These things has been there, but they make them a part of who they are. And that becomes what they are, you know, far as dedicating their music, whether it's to the trap or to the style or whatever the may be, swag or trip or whatever the case may be. You know, very few of us are all of the above. So we got to start respecting and giving more to all of the above artists, that same glow. And all of the above artists, when I say that, are artists that's kind of like not one dimensional. You know, I've never dedicated myself to not just the South, not to the East or the West, but to the world and try to create music from a perspective where everybody can relate to. So as long as we uh, continue to push this generation to grow instead of hating for, hating on them for what they're doing, uh, start giving them something uh, different or different ideas showing them something different to even do you get what i'm saying definitely um all right so i, I mean you you got me actually like hungry to listen to a lot of your newest shit what, what should we tap in with uh in terms of your your more recent output that, that will really give us a, a peek into the the mind of buck these days oh uh, man shout out to everybody who tuned in i, I would say outbreak is my latest ep it's been out for the last past five, six days, I think. Oh, okay. My peak position is at it's seven song EP, uh, no major features. Producer, shout out to Young Self, which is one of my in-house producers, is Steve-O. Uh, it's seven songs. As soon as I got out of jail, I said, take me straight to the studio. I feel like that this is where I need to be. I recorded these seven records in like two days or so. Say, you know, I got I got to give it to the streets immediately because I'm able to drop music now. So I wanted to hurry up and get the streets some music to be able to hear and have something to go, you know, to know that buck back. You know, I'm up and running and, you know, the catalog, everything that was cease and desist will be right back up. 
you know, even my down to my YouTube channel, man, you know, all of these things were taken taken away from me from him just through something as small as a cease and desist that was that wasn't even real. But technically, you know, I had to fight those things. But I'm up and running. As soon as my shit hit, it's just it's, it's just growing every day. So if I was to give you one of the most uh, controversial records on the tape, it's called Signed Up. Okay, number three. Yeah, because I'm going to be honest with you. I went and listened to uh, the, the, the two studio albums, uh, the, your first two real projects, and I didn't actually realize that you had a new project out. So I, I, I got to get familiar with this. I want to hear like how much of your actual story you put in and all that shit, you know? Oh, man, you finna hit some real life shit. Signed up is crazy. Do you challenges for real. You know, it's, it's serious. It's not one of those, you know, I may speak on how quick I make a record, but you'll see for yourself that, uh, you know, I've always focused on dropping quality street music and quality good music, period. So uh, it's definitely a, a bank, bro. I'll definitely tell you that. And it's just a stepping stone just to get off into everything else that I got coming. You know, it's actually taking off a little bigger than I knew it would. You know, I'm I'm in a position where I just kind of was looking like, damn, let me throw this EP out. And the next thing I know, I'm fucking on the interview with you now. Like... And it's been crazy like that since it dropped, bro. Literally, like, you have no idea. I, 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 some of the people that I know that was just fucking bashing me, it's like, yo, we cool now. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you uh, at the point in your life where you could keep it all industry and be like, all right, yeah, we cool, whatever, man? Yeah. <laughs> I, because I didn't know. You know, and that's the thing I didn't know in the past was that shit led me to prison. You know, I honestly, I'll give you a quick story. Like, I used to roll with a lot of fucking guns and shit back in the G and the era. Mm. And um, I, I felt like, you know what I'm saying? Shit was so real life and coming from what I, I come from, we had to be protected. So, you know, I, I had 10 individuals with 10 gun licenses. They limited these two apiece. We're going to push the limit. So on my fucking bus, bro, it used to look like a fucking, fucking army. And it was a point in time where 50 had walked on my bus and he had no idea I was moving like that. You know what I'm saying? He was just walked on the bus and I think I had like maybe 10 guns or some shit laying around in the back. So he come in the back and he like, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck are you doing, buck? We know who's on the rock the mic to it type shit. Like, what the fuck you mean, Phil? What am I, what do you mean what I'm doing? He's like, what the fuck all these fucking guns? I'm, what the fuck is you riding like this for? And I'm thinking, nigga, you just see here and told y'all that you're going to kill him and everybody else. You talking about all these niggas when he running these niggas, bro. Shit is that real because at the same time, we got motherfuckers trying to kill us, shooting at us and some more shit. So I'm thinking in my mind, all of these things are so real life, I got to I got to live like how I've been living and make sure I'm safe just like everything else. Only to realize, like he told me at that time, and it, it plays out of my head. He was like, yo, you tripping. You know what I'm saying? But these dudes, it, it ain't like that. And I think at the time, you know, maybe he had figured that out. That this shit is an industry and entertainment. Mm. And that's what we live off of. But I'm kind of one of them ones that is taking me a little took me a little time to realize a lot of this shit that these people and artists do and say is exactly what it is, entertaining. So if I entertain it, then I'll be just as a part of they circus. You dig what I'm saying? So yeah, man, I can can do business with a motherfucker I don't I don't really give a fuck about or probably don't give a fuck about me as long as it's good business and you you do what you pose to do, I do what I do. It is what it is. You dig what I'm saying? I respect that. Dude. For sure. Um, okay, last question. Did you see this thing about DMX commenting on some uh, former G-Unit members? Yeah, I, I fuck with X. <laughs> but so, so for the record, for the people out there who, who might be seeing this later and not remember, basically DMX said that he wouldn't 
he wouldn't do a versus battle with Lloyd Banks because he said Lloyd Banks was trash. And then he corrected himself and said, actually, my bad. No offense, Lloyd Banks. I was talking about Tony Yeo, which for me, I'm a fan of both as rappers. So I can't get behind that. But what, what was your hey, thoughts on that? Hey, Ace is a live nigga, man. Yo, he, I didn't know he could say that. He, he, he corrected himself and said, no, my bag, I was talking about Yayo. Yes. God, that nigga <laughs> Ace is real as fuck. That nigga's crazy. But I, look, honestly, like, in, in in the sense of that, I got so much respect for Ace mm-hmm. and so much respect for Banks. And even Yayo, I ain't going to shit on nobody because he's even looked upon as my brother. But honestly, I would say that uh, it's kind of an uneven match to set X even up with somebody like Banks. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I respect the Banks because I feel like Banks is one of the dopest lyricists in the game, but X is a fucking legend. Like, like for real, like in, in real talk, like, and, and again, I'm not a part of nobody's ass kissing club. I'm just telling you what God loves, G. X is a legend. Don't know niggas, a lot of niggas don't want to line up with that nigga uh, uh, lyrically, it's been doing this shit. So I, if I was to give it a real opinion, I would say shit. You know, I, I know Banks. Banks ain't fearing nothing, and Banks will bite with anything when it comes to that mic. He can stand his own and hold it, hold his own ground for sure. But uh, nah, man, Banks, Banks will stay away from that. He ain't Banks ain't gonna say too much any goddamn way. I'm, I'm surprised that he even responded to that shit. You feel mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Shout out to both of them, G. Because I, I, I fuck with Banks. I, I think I, that I, I think if we were to see DMX's, like, it, it's been a long time. It's been like 20 something years. So I think if we were to see, like, the top 10 DMX songs played in order, I think a lot of people might get a really brutal reminder of, like, oh, yeah, he had a fucking epic, legendary run. See, you know what people fail to realize is not only did he, he still does. Mm. See, they've been out here in my city running around. I haven't had a chance to run into him, but from my understanding, he's been around some good niggas that I know, and he's been in the studio recording on the album. A few of my guys been like, yo, I ran into X and shit like that. I'm like, for sure. I haven't got up with X, but I've met X a few times. X is the real deal. You dig what I'm saying? And... I've just watched X go through some of the trials and tribulation in his life and to still remain relevant, still remain real, still be the same fucking beast that we learned to love X for. He's still that. And see, he's no different than me, I feel like, as considered an underdog, but it's the dog. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We underdogs in so many different things, but that's only because of what this media do with you. And, and, and play with different trials and tribulations of your life. And, 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 and that's just what we signed up for. But you'll never take away the fact that whether he's an underdog like myself, he's still the dog. So y'all, y'all, y'all pay attention, very close attention to, to, to motherfuckers like DMX, motherfuckers like myself. Because uh, not only do I feel like you know, we season and understand the game, but we also know where we're going and we got a lot to give, a lot to teach, a lot of real life that has to be brought back into this game. You have to have that balance. See, we get so much of this party and then this rah-rah that I think the people start to appreciate the Young Bucks and the DMXs and even the Lloyd Banks and shit. So, you know, shout out to them. Them two of my favorites, bro. That's real. I respect that. Um, all right, Buck, uh, you're one of my favorite artists of all time, to be totally honest, and it was a fucking huge honor to get to talk to you. And next time you're out in L.A., once we're a little less socially distant, you should definitely come. We'll do it. We'll do this again in real life. Bro, I never know no shit like that, bro. And I'm a true fan of your whole show, your whole match, bro. Soon as I get out to LA, my manager and shit is out there. Shout out to Big U and the whole team. You know what I'm saying? So I be out there in and out, but I'm kind of really about to be out there, you know, for 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 a minute. So hopefully when I get out there, man, I can pull up on you and shit, G. For sure. Damn, so you tap in with Big U when you come out here? Yeah, in a real life, in a real life way. I that's like family to me. So I kind of really pull my family all the way into 
my career at this point, uh, Big U co-managed me with another individual as well. So, like I say, I've always been throughout L.A. My whole life has been back and forth from L.A. to Nashville. I got real family. I'm really tied up in the streets of L.A. in a real way. So oh, okay. You, uh, and my getting over Big U, I've been been amongst the streets of L.A., my man, for a long time. That's a, that's a tapped-in individual right there. I've been around a long time, man. I come, I come from sitting on the goddamn back porch at Death Row with Suge Knight, smoking his cigar, talking to me, telling me, Buck, we gonna do this shit. I'm gonna kill young bucks in real life. So like I say, man, salute to LA, the whole West Coast, but uh, it's like a second home to me. And uh, anywhere, anytime I'm not in the South, you can expect me to be right there on that motherfucking West Coast. Believe that in a real way, G. That's what's up. All right, Young Buck, appreciate you so much. Thank you for your time. It means a lot. 100. Appreciate you, G. Appreciate you, G.